2: obvious numbers and then dig in to maybe get behind the numbers a little bit. But Nathan, why don't you lay down, you just were saying before we came on, the 2021 NFL draft, let's reset how many picks the programs in the Big Ten had.
1: So 44 total for the entire Big Ten. People know 10 of those were Ohio State. I think one of the telling stats, and we're going to get into that today, 10 for Ohio State, eight for Michigan six for Penn state. So 24 draft picks combined from those three programs and then 20 combined from the rest of the big 10, the other 11 programs in big 10 have less than those three combined in this draft. I didn't go back and look at every single draft, but I would imagine that's actually fairly close as you go year to year.
2: Yeah. I think that's probably right. This podcast might not be that long. Cause it's like, now I'm ready to go behind the numbers. It's like, all right, those are the raw. It's like, what's the point of like, we're just going to state obvious numbers. So there are the raw numbers, and I went back five years. The cohort that I used was the last five NFL drafts because that cuts off, that does not count the ridiculous Ohio State 2016 NFL draft where they had 10 guys drafted in the first three rounds and set a record. That's unusual. It's unfair to use the 2016 NFL draft as some kind of norm for Ohio State because even for a program that puts out NFL players, that was above and beyond. So I didn't include that. So this is 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. The total number of NFL draft picks in the Big Ten over the last five years. Ohio State, 43. Michigan, 36. That is not that much of a difference. 43 to 36. Penn State, 24. Iowa, 20. Wisconsin, 19. So that's like a top two. Right, And then like the next three, and then there's a big drop. Nobody else is in double figures. Wisconsin is at 19, they're fifth. And then we get to Minnesota and Maryland each have nine. Michigan State and Northwestern each have seven. Purdue and Indiana each have six. Nebraska has five and Illinois and Rutgers each have four. Okay, so that's in the last five years. So that's raw numbers. But I came up with a little system. It's not a system, it's just counting. I came up with four tiers for NFL draft picks. And I tier one, I called a top 15 pick. So it's not everybody in the first round because I think a guy picked in the 20s is quite different from a guy picked fourth, right? I mean, that's one guy you, you're coming in. It's like, my God, we think this guy's going to change our team. He's a savior. He's Chase Young. And the other one is like, yeah, I guess he's good. Like he's Garyon Conley. Like Chase Young and Garyon Conley were both first rounders. They are not the same. I don't think they belong on the same tier. So top 15 is tier one. The second half of round one and round two is tier two. Because frankly, I think if you're, if you're picked 23rd, you're closer to a guy who's picked 41st than you are to a guy who's picked fifth. So I made that big tier. Second half of round one and round two is tier two. Tier three is rounds three and four. Cause I think in rounds three and four, you're still getting guys that you think, well, they're definitely going to make the team. And like, they should help us, right? Like maybe not be starters, but you're still kind of taking dudes in rounds three and four. And then the last tier, tier four, is rounds five, six, and seven. Cause I think once you get to round five, you're throwing darts a little bit, right? Like, you don't know. Guys in the fifth round, if you're a bad fifth round pick, you get cut in camp. Guys in the seventh round get cut in camp all the time. These are practice squad guys. So that's how I divided up the tiers, and that's where it got real when we talk about what's really going on in the NFL draft. So before we get to those, Nathan, in general, what, how would you describe what you believe, either based on research for this podcast or just generally what you thought before, how would you describe the talent gap in your mind between Ohio State and Michigan?
1: I think it's been in these recent years, it's been more about having the elite players at elite positions, getting guys who are drafted. There's a difference between, I mean, yes, 43 and what'd you say? 43 and 36. Those two numbers are not that. Right. Different, but who were those 43? Where were they drafted? Who were those 37? Where were they drafted? I think that's a big part of it. I mean, two of the last three years Ohio state's had a quarterback drafted in the first round. Um, Harbaugh's had one quarterback drafted and I think it was a sixth rounder. that alone might tell you the whole
0: thing but
1: but that's a a microcosm of I think what's happening across the roster for both of those programs
0: Steven, how would you describe it Yeah, kind of the same way it's 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 wide in the places where it matters most whether it's quarterback whether it's defensive whether it's it's just having an elite guy as you just brought up chase young where that's a guy who's coming to save the franchise and change everybody's opinion. Going to happen with this particular team, while with Michigan, it's a lot of guys where it's tier two, right? They're in the twenties to the forty threes or whatever you want to call it. Players that you're just plugging in there. While How State's like top end is, you know, say franchise saviors, whether they work out or not. But again, we
2: want to we want to talk about them in terms of that what they are as college players. So 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 it's like, yeah, the reds, the Washington drafted Chase Young to go be a franchise saver in Washington, but they did that because he wrecked the Big Ten because he won games by himself. Justin Fields, the Bears traded up for a franchise quarterback because Justin Fields can win games by himself. And that's you know, the wh-
0: difference. Michigan doesn't necessarily – they have talent, but they don't have a guy who is winning games by himself. While Ohio State seems – they're top-end guys. There's two, three, four guys every year who seem to be able to go win a game by themselves. So let's
2: play a little quiz time as we go through this, and this hopefully can be fun for our listeners as well. <laughs> The aim of the pod is not for Steven and Nathan to have fun with Doug. I mean, that's, I, mean like, I guess that's a nice side effect, but actually it is for the listeners to enjoy it. So, like, I'm not, I don't mean to say I hope the listeners enjoy it as Steven and Nathan enjoy it. The listeners come first. Guess, in the last five years, last five years, in the Big Ten, Tier 1 picks, how many Big Ten Tier 1 picks were there in the last five years? Guys picked 15th or higher. One through 15, the first 15 picks in the NFL draft, I guess I should have gone to 16 because that actually would have cut the first round in half, but I didn't. I went to 15 because 15 – and I didn't do that. It's weird. There are actually like two Ohio State guys who were picked 15th. I didn't do it just to squeeze in Ohio State guys, but that's just where my head was. Total number, Steven, total number in the Big Ten the last five years, tier one? Eight. In the Big Ten total, you say eight. Yeah. Nathan, Big Ten total. 11 yeah, you say 11 steven says eight eight's a bad guess 11's an okay guess eight's a bad guess it's 15 it's 15 in the last five years you think there's only been eight big 10 guys to go in the top 15 of the draft
1: let's run that's run now haven't there been almost that many ohio state guys going well
2: but let's do ohio state let's do ohio state
0: that's what i was counting only ohio state guys and then leave you it thought there, there were like zero big
2: 10 guys you, you thought there was zero I thought maybe it was players?
0: one or two i thought it was one or two at most
2: so, Nathan, how many Big Ten players in the top 15 in the last five years?
1: I, I said 11. You're asking how many no, Ohio State? Ohio State.
2: No, Sorry, not Ohio. Ohio State. Oh. Just only Ohio State. Only Ohio State. We have 15 total in the Big Ten. That includes Ohio State, guys. How many just Ohio State?
1: Nine. Steven? Seven.
2: So, it's eight. So, it's eight of the 15 in the Big Ten. Or Ohio State guys that's fifty three percent of the tier one guys are from one team, and I think that's the beginning of what we 're talking about, right like this is there's a difference between draft picks and first round draft picks and guys who go really high because they're game changers now now i'm going to make you do it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight the, I, I mean I, th- I hope we could go eight out of eight, even though you guys weren't here when all these guys played let's go back and forth I'm thinking we should do people know I was on Stump the Schwab back in the day. I, would, I was thinking about off-season podcasts that we could do Stump the Doug, and we could have people come on, and we could make up Ohio State questions. And one of my favorite things when, when I was on Stump the Schwab is when you do, like, if you said, like, um, 23 Ohio State running backs have run for 100 yards in a game, and then you go back and forth naming them, right, until somebody gets it wrong. I love that kind of, like, quiz kind of thing so we're going to do that here Nathan you can go first an Ohio State guy who was a top 15 pick Justin Fields Justin Fields Nay, ne- uh, Stephen you're up Chase Young Chase Young well don't I mean you have to answer the obvious ones you don't have to give like the obvious face you answer the obvious ones first <laughs> that's the strategy I, just, I was just
0: saying Chase Young man I didn't don't, really don't, have a face no, but don't I was answer just, it
2: like what kind of dumb question is this you just no. I was just saying more than Jay- half
0: I was just saying Chase Young. I'm sorry if it came off me. I was just saying his name. Nathan. Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda. Steven. Dwayne Haskins. Nathan.
1: Uh, uh, Nick Bosa. Steven. Denzel Ward. Nathan. Are you looking stuff up? I hear you typing. I'm I'm typing the names so I don't remember. So I don't guess someone who's already been picked. Joey Bosa. Wrong. You're out. Joey Bosa was the the, the not in the last class. five years. He was a 16th class. So right. Steven,
2: for to, for the win, name a guy. Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore, and then who's the last
1: one? It's another defensive back, mm. right? Yep. Is that Conley? Nope.
0: No, that's why I'm stumped.
1: Um, 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 um Hooker on Bell
0: Malik Hooker. Oh, Malik right. Hooker was the 15th pick. Five. Okay, years I wasn't ago. sure if he was 15 or. 20 okay
2: so so those are the eight now let's play who are the other seven big 10 guys non-ohio state guys the other seven big 10 guys in the last five years one two three four five six seven this is hard steven we'll start with you on this one um I mean, we, we say that we don't know anything about the rest of the <laughs> league on this podcast. Like, if we can't even get three of these, we will be proving that.
0: Well, Slater was a top – he was top 15, right, this year? Is that your guess? Yeah, it's going to be my guess. Yeah, he was thirteen. So Rashawn
2: Slater from Northwestern okay. went in the top 15 this year. Nathan? Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, very famous. Number two pick in the draft. Yes, very Sorry, famous. Saquon. <laughs> Sorry, Saquon. Steven, your pick.
0: Uh. pass
2: pass this is what? bad N- nathan for the win then nathan for the win did micah parsons go in the top 15 yes. this year? Micah parsons <laughs> this year was t- the 12th pick this is not i mean i'm not even wanting to the hard part yet all right Shout the out other State. the other four are a little bit hard i'm not sure how entertaining this is i do think people like trivia so, people, I hope
1: you're screaming at your
2: radio and your car. I hope you're—they like
1: it when you make fun of us too. So, no, no,
2: no, I know. But if you guys want to come up with trivia at any point and give it to me, I'm here for it. I like making a- trivia questions. Though, two Michigan guys, two Iowa guys are the other answers to this. If anybody wants to shout them out, go ahead. In the last five years, the Iowa guys um, are both Oh, on, uh, on, Rashawn both on Gary. On. Rashawn Gary from Michigan. And the other Michigan guy is also defense. And the two Iowa guys are both offense.
0: I I think it's it's Devin Bush, right?
2: Devin Bush. Devin Bush for Sean Gary in the same draft. Bush went 10 and Gary went 12. And then two Iowa guys. One of them went last year. One of them went a couple years ago. Was Noah Fant that high? Close. Right idea. Noah Fant was a first-round pick, but he went in the 20s. That's
1: what I thought. Right position. Yeah, I'm blanking on the the other guy's name. T.J. Hawkinson. Yeah, Hawkins. From Iowa's the eighth pick to Detroit.
2: And Tristan Wirfs last year to Iowa. Right mm-hmm. tackle for the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Nathan, when we find out by this range that I have randomly somewhat established, tier one, eight out of 15 are Buckeyes. What does that tell you? Does that surprise you? Does that, is that like the whole point? And we could end the podcast right now that it's like, why is Ohio State better than everybody? It's like, Justin Fields, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, let's go home? Like, is that it? What does it tell you?
1: No, it's why Ohio State is the monster of this conference. It's why when Ohio State loses a game, it is a, like, benchmark game in that other program's history. I, th- this is, explains it all. I mean, they have a they, – they amass talent in a way that the rest of the Big Ten, even collectively, doesn't amass – Like that, what number tells you that more than that? So that's why the standards are so high at Ohio State. That's why fan expectations are legitimately as high as they are at Ohio State. And it's why Ohio State more often than not uh, reaches or surpasses those expectations.
0: They have mass talent and they develop that talent, which is why this 2021 draft, we're asking the question when they're tied for the most guys picked, whether it was a good draft or not. The
2: other part of this is, as we talked a little bit, It's where the guys are coming from. So uh, would you guys agree with this? If we're talking about the most game-changing positions, I have the four. There might be a fifth. We could debate that. Quarterback, receiver, cornerback, edge rusher would be my four. I would listen to an argument for offensive tackle. If somebody that you have someone block that edge rusher, I would listen, especially because for a couple of the big, other big 10 teams, they have guys like that. But if we're going by only those four, we're talking about this of the eight guys for Ohio State, seven of the eight play those positions. It's edge rushers, it's cornerbacks, and it's a quarterback. Like, that's what it is. And the only guy who's not is Willie Cooker, who's a safety. Whereas the rest of the Big Ten, only one of the other seven would fit that category. Because Bush is a linebacker, Barkley's a running back, Parsons is a linebacker, although he did rush some. I'd hear an argument for that. Slater's an offensive tackle, Worf is an offensive tackle, if you want to make that argument, but we didn't make it, Hawkinson's a tight end. The only guys were Sean Gary. So Nathan, not only does Ohio State have more than half the guys, they have all the guys at the positions that win games in modern passing football, which again... We're like doubling down on the it's not just the numbers, it's the who and they have the who.
1: Yeah, and I I don't have a problem leaving offensive tackle off of that list because I don't feel like there's an offensive tackle who's so good that he makes the quarterback great or makes the quarterback better than he is. He can protect the quarterback, you can keep a an adequate quarterback on his feet longer and better protected, and maybe that makes him better. I guess I'd listen to that, but I don't think you're elevating the quarterback play necessarily, and it's it's a reaction. To how to the, how important the edge rushing is, and how important the cornerbacks are in in some ways. So I I have no problem like leaving them on the the next tier or like one B. But those four are the and that's what I was saying before. That I think it's the fact that Ohio State not only is developing first round talent or or first round performances, whether or not those guys end up in the first round or the first half of the first round. But it's it, it's it's happening at the most impactful positions.
0: And it's consistent even with you know with Devin Bush's Rashawn Gary's and Michael Car- Parsons of the world and the Saquon Barkley's, they're one-offs that you had this really, really good running back, but all your other running backs are just average at best. There's Tayshaun was a number two pick. Well, Nick Bosa just did that 12 months before that. Jeff Okuda was a number three pick. Well, Denzel Ward two years ago was a number four pick. And so it's, it's, it's one, it's at positions with high value, but also it's a consistent thing and not just this one-off that you have this claim to fame with this one player, but you're not, you know, Penn State's not running around calling themselves running back. You, it's just you had Saquon Barkley come to your school,
1: and this year there was a vulnerability for Ohio State in some ways because they didn't have a premier edge right. rusher, they didn't have a premier cornerback. They um, and what did they go do? They found through the transfer portal a, you know, arguably one of the, be- the best quarterback in the country or one or B or whatever. So um, that that's the other thing that Ohio State has done now. It's just like you're saying, it's the consistency of it that even when there's a dip in the things that are kind of their foundational, that's their identity to me is defensive ends and cornerbacks. That's the Ohio state identity that lapsed this year. And they still went out and had, you know, a, a guy who any, any given year, if there weren't like five quarterbacks this year, he might've been the first overall pick. And he was throwing to two guys who are going to be, be first round receivers mm-hmm. when they go out. So it's like,
2: they didn't have the first round corner and edge rushers and they made up for it with a first round quarterback and two first round receivers that like they, they hit the right spots. And I mean, it's one of those things. You, you, you couldn't ask a question like this. And I I don't even know that it is a valid question, but like, if we came off this podcast and the next time we talked to Ryan day, we said, Ryan, not only does Ohio state have a lot of first round picks, but you have them at seemingly the most important positions on the field. That means that you have the most impactful players not just in general, but at the most important positions on the field. Do you target pass rushers and cornerbacks and receivers and quarterbacks in recruiting even more than you target? Like, it's not a question. Mm-hmm. Because the answer is like, well, we try to get the best players in every position. What are you talking about? But, Steven, like, even though there would, it, it would be impossible to ask the question, and I guess I don't know if it's, it's coincidental. Like, is it coincidental? It's like they're two most, how do they have two veteran recruiters who have been doing it and have a track record and they recruit defensive ends and cornerbacks. And then they have a rising star as a recruiter and he recruits receivers. And then they have the guy at the top of the food chain who makes it all go and he's a quarterback guy. So I don't know, like, I guess, are there programs out there who are built on, oh, we have a great offensive guard recruiter and like, oh man, can we recruit middle linebackers? I, maybe, or maybe this is just obvious, but like, I, like you know what I mean, Steven? Like it's, yeah. I, I don't know if it's it, coincidental. I don't know if it's targeted. I don't know if it just happened, but it sure makes a difference.
0: No, it, it's obvious, but at the same time, it, it, Describe, it explains this type of player at those positions they go after, right? How often you're probably not going to see a developmental guy at wide receiver or at corner or at defensive end, right? They're going to go to the point of, "Oh, we're going to go get the best player we can get." Well, that's actually not coach speak when you're talking about, "Oh, we went and got Jack Sawyer, Ike Abuka, and Quinn Ewers and Kyle McCord." You know, you're actually going out to get the best player at that position because of who the guy in that who's the position coach recruiting it and developing those talent while say an offensive line or a linebacker, you might be a little bit more or run, even running back with Evan Pryor. There's, you're a little bit more, you know, willing to maybe take a developmental guy along with maybe a top-end guy as well. So that's a better way of putting it. Even though it is obvious, it's, what's not obvious is the why they go after certain guys at certain positions and why with some places they'll go with developmental guys sometimes. And you're never going to see a developmental defensive end come here.
1: Think of all the success that programs like Wisconsin and Iowa have had, like real success. Like they win 10 games a year. They're strong college football programs. I think there's guys at these positions we're talking about that they just can't get in the door on, but you would assume that anybody that Ohio state wants to recruit at these positions, they're in the door. Like they're at the top of the list for just about anybody they really want to go after at these most impactful positions.
2: All right. That's tier one. Let's move on to tier two. And then we're going to get into tier three and tier four. We're not going to like run down all the names, but we're going to talk about the numbers as we sort of break up these raw draft numbers into the tiers. And we're going to start seeing like where Michigan, like there's a gap for Michigan right here, right? It's eight to two in tier one. And then Michigan catches up and it helps explain some things when they catch up in the other tiers. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Try the text at 614-350-3315. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts. Tier two, which is the back half of round one and all of round two. I don't know that this is, this isn't as much fun guessing. I'll just give you the numbers. Raw numbers in tier two the last five years. Ohio State 10, Penn State six, Michigan five, Iowa four, Wisconsin three, Minnesota and Maryland, two each, nobody else, more than one. And when we talk about those guys for Ohio State, I do think it really works out. It's like where I sort of drew this line. This is the group of guys who are the 10 tier two guys in the last five years. And they're just not quite Chase Young and Justin Fields and Marshawn Lattimore. They're just not. Pete Werner, Josh Myers, Damon Arnett, J.K. Dobbins, Paris Campbell, Billy Price, Taikwan Lewis, Garyon Conley, Curtis Samuel and Raquan McMillan. All very good players. They are not Nick Bosa and Chase Young, right? So that gets a little it's a, it's a little tighter at least, right? This is an area where Penn State is actually pretty good. And Penn State had Barkley and Parsons and they need to get a few more tier 1 guys, but this is where Penn State has Jason Oway, Pat Fryamuth. Yutur Gross Matos, KJ Hamler, Miles Sanders, Mike Gesecki, right? That they, and those are some skill guys, right? Those are some guys that like made a difference from Penn State. We, can, we all have a picture of KJ Hamler in our head, right? That I actually think, Nathan, the five Michigan guys in this range are Quiddy Pay, edge rusher, just one in the first round. Cesar Ruiz, who was a center, who was a first rounder in the 20s last year. Josh Uche who's like an outside linebacker, was a second-round pick, actually played well as a rookie for the Patriots, and then Jabril Peppers and Taco Charlton. There's some interesting Penn State names there in that tier two, Nathan, that make me think, as we've talked about before, man, if Penn State could get like Justin Fields, right, which they tried to do. They had him. They had him. Mm -hmm. If they could get a quarterback and if they could get like – one more chase young guy now of course that's like the whole thing but like penn state doesn't have as number as many overall draft picks as michigan again in the last five years michigan has 36 penn state has 24 ohio state has 43 that's a pretty big gap right michigan has 12 more picks but i like the tier two guys for penn state nathan you can see that like they're pretty good at that and getting those guys they just need a five star or two
1: well, yeah, but I think it also emphasizes, again, why there's a gap because you might get one, but like – so like Ohio State didn't just have Chase Young. They also had Jeff Okuda like right there with him. They didn't just have uh, Nick Bosa. They also had like three first-round defensive backs at the same time. Like it's, it, that's how they're piling things up. And again, you're right that Penn State – it reinforces that you can have great players. Like the guys you're talking about – undeniably like great college players and guys who are going on to NFL careers. But if you're not pairing them with other great players or sometimes more than pairing them, that still is leaving you a gap between with what Ohio State's starting to be able to do right now. Like I, this sounds like a very Homer podcast, but you, your numbers are, are pointing it out. Like there's one team that's like piling these guys up and that's why they're playing for the college football championship. And there's another team that does pretty good. And that's why they like finish second in the big 10 and go to a decent bowl game. That's multi hierarchy right now
0: you've got multiple conveyor belts that are moving smoothly outside of obviously when Kerry Combs left and the recruiting went down, but yes, you're pairing Jeff Okuda and Chase Young, but you've also got, you're pairing Nick Bosa and Denzel Ward, right? But then you've got Chase Young and Jeff Okuda waiting in the winds. And then you've got Zach Harrison and the recruiting fell apart for the defensive backs. But now you've got, you know, Ja'Kalen Johnson and Jack Sawyer waiting in the wins, and then you're going to have Jaheim Singletary and probably Brendan Vernon waiting in the wins next. It's the constant moving of it where you're pairing it, but also there's a guy up next who's probably just as good, maybe better. You
1: have guys who end up being first-round picks who can't get on the field when they get to Ohio State, mm-hmm. and I don't think you're finding that even at a place like Penn State.
2: Right, which is and, – and, like, I think what, when it goes back to the recruiting conversation, right – not the recruiting conversation, when it goes back to the transfer conversation, which is going to be, we're just going to end up talking about transfers for the next couple months because we're all adjusting to the new reality. And until we all have a firm handle on that, I think we're all going to kind of work it out together. The tier one guys don't transfer, right? I do think tier two guys could transfer if they get jammed up the wrong way. Just a Quick exception for quarterbacks.
1: As we saw with Justin Fields and Kyle
2: McCord might go be a tier one guy for somebody else, just the way Joe Burrow was. That's a very important caveat that you point out, Nathan. But I don't think Ohio State's going to see a guy who's a tier one corner, a tier one defensive end. I don't think Jamison Williams is a tier one receiver. Garrett Wilson stayed, right? I mean, Marvin Harrison Junior. is going to stay. Like the 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 tier one guys are going to stay. The tier two, the tier two, you might need to be careful of, but What we're going back to, Stephen, is that like the tier one guys are what makes the difference, which is, again, what Saban said. It's like the best guys aren't going to leave the best program. So, like, if you're getting a guy from a great program, you're probably not getting a tier one guy unless it's a jammed up quarterback. Listen, Ohio State's going to lose a tier one quarterback potentially in the next two years. That's very possible.
0: I feel like I mean, at like, this point every 2 years that should be well, the expectation. Well, we got just with um, the way just with the way they're recruiting the position right now, you should expect the high end quarterback to leave every 2 years.
2: I I'm curious to see exactly how it goes down under Quinn Ewers after Quinn Ewers. Yeah, I fair. I I will believe them getting a 5 star. I'll believe the 5 star who comes in and is like, "Oh, I can beat out Quinn Ewers." Yeah. I'll believe Arch that Yeah. <laughs> That's so, <laughs> like, I think that's going to chill out a little bit because the, all these other guys came before they knew Quinn Ewers was coming. Now everybody else who's going to come knows Quinn Ewers is here, and I think they're going to hit a little – this is a separate podcast. They're going to hit a little bit of the Terrell Pryor thing where Terrell Pryor came, and then, like, everybody else was like, oh, I'm not going there for two years. So, I, well, we'll see. We, we talked that's about fair. this a little bit on
1: BFFs a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I think – I mean, I asked Trevor Lawrence about that. It's like, hey, you – messed up your quarterback room. How does it feel to be that guy who did it? So, yeah, I think you're right.
2: But I don't, you know, I mean, I could see, I could see some of these tier two guys moving in and out. So let's talk about now tier one and tier two as a group because I did math and I added those together. Tier one and tier two added together. Ohio State 18, Penn State 8 because they have so many in tier two, Michigan 7, Iowa 6, nobody else more than three. And again, Nathan, it's like, we're just going to keep drawing the lines in this podcast. We're going to keep reemphasizing the obvious. Nobody else has more than 3 there They're the top four teams. And then the rest of the Big Ten, the other 10 teams, nobody has more than three. Ohio State has 18. It's just stark. It's just another world. And the thing that I like about using the NFL draft this way is, listen, George Kittle out of Iowa was a fifth-round pick, and he is an NFL superstar. But he was not drafted as an NFL superstar because he didn't look like an NFL superstar every down at Iowa. He didn't make Iowa go 12-0. and 0. Right? He didn't single handedly drag them to Ohio State's level. So it's not about what you become as an NFL player. It's about how you are perceived by the NFL based on your college traits and production when you come out. And when that answer, Nathan, is 18 to eight to seven to six, and nobody else has more than three, there couldn't be more of a divide.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can take, as you just said, Michigan and Penn State, combine them, and then take one other non uh, what, Iowa you said was the one that had six? Right. So take one other non-Iowa team from the Big Ten, and you're still only equalizing what Ohio State has had. And I, I think you make a good point, too, in that it is it, it, people who, you know, the, the, the people who think that recruiting isn't as critical as it is, this is another one of those things that proves it. Because what is the, the whole concept of the five-star is based on guys who they think will be NFL players. Like, that's mm-hmm. first round NFL players. And I would like to, you know, I don't know if you broke that down, but I bet if you went and looked, a lot of those Ohio State players, I bet, were probably five-star players or high four-star players, like top 100 players.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't break it down, but if I look at the tier one guys, it's like Fields, yes, Young, yes, Okuda, yes, Bosa, yes, Haskins, not really, Ward, no,
1: Lattimore, yes, Hooker, no. So five of the eight are like they did exactly what you thought they would do. And it's like it's – I'll I'll hear you if you tell me, like, it doesn't matter, and I'll say it. I mean, it doesn't really matter what the stars are. It's what they get here and do. But when they get here and play like five stars and the other teams don't have anybody that's doing that, then there's your separation. That it's –
2: nobody else has a chance for the Chase Young scenario to happen, which is that – you, you show up on campus looking like an NFL guy, and then you just wreck people for three years and you leave. And it goes exactly how everybody thought. As you said, Nathan, like nobody else in the league can even get in the door on that guy. And Steven, like that's the I, – I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I can do this offseason. Like I don't even know – if we went through the top 100 players in the country and tried to do how many Big Ten teams like made a final five for the top 100 players in the country. It's like how even close are Penn State or Michigan or Iowa or Michigan State or Indiana or Northwestern or Minnesota? Is anybody even – they're not even in the conversation most of the time, Stephen, right? I mean, I guess Michigan is every now and then.
0: Michigan is. And as a matter of fact, I mean, we keep talking about Quinn Ewers and his perfect rating. Rashawn Gary had a perfect rating as well and he just didn't do what Chase did. He didn't, go, he didn't go wreck people for three years and then go off to the NFL as a top ten pick in the draft. So, I mean, there's the development part of it. You're, you're not developing the opportunities you do get, and, you, even, and they're already small. So you're banking on the Chris Olave situation where you find a diamond in a rough. That's where it becomes an issue because Ohio State has the Chase Young scenario clicking, but then they also have the ability to go find a Chris Olave every so often, which, which completely takes you over the top. Because when you're doing it their way and your way, you can't compete with that.
2: Donovan Peoples Jones is a five-star recruit that Urban Meyer is like Urban Meyer's biggest miss of his career, and he ends up being a sixth-round pick because once he got to Michigan, like he was just fine. That's all. He wasn't great. Um, It's funny. I'm I'm gonna do something with the NFL side of this that I would like to do. Dig in on how like how many NFL teams have the most five stars on their roster because there are at least three guys in the last two years that like, I've been like, Oh, because it it, last year, the Browns drafted Donovan Peoples Jones in the sixth round. And it was like, well, Ohio state wanted him. And like, again, not to be a Homer, but given what Ohio state receivers have done, I think there's a decent chance. If he would have gone to Ohio state, he would have gone higher than the sixth round. Then the Browns this year drafted Richard LeCount, who I remember him being at an Ohio state camp when he was a freshman or a sophomore in high school, he went to the same high school as Raekwon McMillan in Georgia Ohio State really wanted him. They were really working him, and he decided to stay home at Georgia. And he was a good player. He also had like a motorcycle accident before last season, which affected his draft stock. But he wasn't an All American. I don't know. I'm not saying he would have been an All American at Ohio State because Ohio State's defensive backs have been a little goofy for the last couple of years. But Richard LeCount, the Browns drafted him. It's like, oh, it's a five star guy that Ohio State wanted. And then Marvin Wilson who was the number six overall player in the class of 2017. It was the last guy that Ohio State wanted to cap off the class of 2017 with. He picked Florida State, and he was good. He was a good player at Florida State. He had a little bit of a goofy 2020, I think, with the pandemic. He went undrafted, and the Browns signed him immediately. He's Everybody's saying he's one of the best free agent signings, right? And it's like all these five-star guys that Ohio State really wanted that didn't go to Ohio State and then, like, did not – go in the draft like where you would have thought they might go based on what they were as recruits and then it's like the Browns I'm, I'm curious and and then Malik McDowell is the last one now this is much weirder but Ohio State was all over they were in and out and around Malik McDowell and then Malik McDowell many moons ago was like the first time that D'Antonio translated the on-field success into a five-star guy and he was a second-round pick, and he's he was a second-round pick in 2017. He's never played a snap in the NFL because he has had a boatload of off-field problems. And, like, way after the fact, now the Browns are taking a huge risk on him, thinking he's gotten it straightened out. We don't know how that's going to go. But it's another five-star guy that Ohio State was dancing around, and he didn't come here, and then, like, his career was okay. So it's it's interesting that there is this – Recruiting piece, but there is the—you've got to develop it once it's here. And like, not every Chase Young recruit, to your point, Stephen, Rashawn Gary was that. That was when Michigan was really working New Jersey, and they got Peppers and Gary both out of New Jersey. And Rashawn Gary—I mean, it's a high bar, right? But Rashawn Gary did not play quite like the Boses or Chase Young while he was here. When actually, as a recruit, he was thought of the same way.
0: But in but him not hitting maybe throws you off the next time you do try to shoot that high because, uh, because you just messed up the Rashawn Gary, you messed up the Donovan people's Jones recruits see that, you know, and you, I mean, you've been talking about it for a while now, what the idea of developing a five-star and making sure he reaches his potential five-star recruits see that, okay, there have been other guys who were just like me who've come through your program and didn't amount to anything. So why would I go there? Which is why Michigan's recruiting maybe fell off a little bit while they were getting, the bulk of their classes were guys between 150 and 400 for a while. is because when you get the Chase Young, you got to make sure he becomes Chase Young. Now, to be fair, Rashawn Gary was a first round
2: pick and was a very good player at Michigan. He was. So, I mean, they didn't miss on Rashawn Gary, but you can't deny that he did not rise to the level of the Boses or Chase Young, which is like the highest level there is in college football. But now let's talk about something else before we get into tier two and tier three. So we said Ohio State had 18 combined players who were picked in either the first or second round penn state was next with eight in this same five-year period you want to guess how many alabama had total first two rounds the last five years
1: 30
2: we say steven
0: 27
2: 30 is correct 30 is right on the nose nathan bear
0: for you nathan
2: 12 tier one guys 12 guys in the top 15 in the first round and then 18 tier two guys. So as much as we are, you know, blowing smoke for Ohio state with how big the gap is between Ohio state and the rest of the big 10, 18 for Ohio state to 30 for Alabama is not close. And while we have talked about, but we have put in the obvious caveats, we have said, we know, we know. You know, Alabama and Ohio State both had 10 guys this year. And again, we're drawing the line right at the point where Ohio State had 10 guys in the top three rounds. So I get it. that Like, we didn't include Ohio State's peak. But like the last five years, Nathan, I mean, it's not, it's not in the same stratosphere. I mean, Alabama has almost double. So like, if, if Ohio State is maybe like kind of clearly number two, I think they might be really maybe clearly number two when it term- comes to producing NFL talent high level NFL talent right now. They are nowhere close to number one.
1: No, I mean, 12 in the past. So that means 12 out of 75. So like 17% of the top 15 picks in the last five years have come from one school. That's pretty crazy. And I think if, 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 if the national championship game wasn't enough of a demonstration of the separation between the two teams, that certainly helps.
0: Alabama has so many Tier 1 guys that when they do have a Donovan Peoples-Jones situation and the five-star doesn't hit like Dylan Mo- Moses, you don't even realize it until after the fact because you're so focused on the fact that Najee Harris and Alex Weatherwood and Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith were all first-rounders. Yeah, they tie the record. Six first-rounders yeah. this year.
2: So, <laughs> like, again, we're talking about Alabama right at – this is arguably Alabama's peak. It's not like Alabama has quite done this. So they have the last five years in terms of top 15 picks five years ago, they had zero. Then they had two, then they had two. And the last two years they had four, each of those years, they had four of the top 15 each last year. So they are at a peak right now. And again, we're not using Ohio state's peak, but in the moment, we can't pretend that uh, Ohio state is, is like Alabama in that, in that scenario. All right. Tier three, this is a third and fourth round. This is where, we get into the discussion of like, okay, now we're coming around on, this is why the numbers are close. Tier three guys, Ohio state, 15, Michigan, 14, nobody else more than seven. So that now we are in an area where there's a clear top group. It's not just Ohio state at the top. It's these two schools at the top. Iowa has seven Penn state, six, Wisconsin, and Michigan state five nobody else more than three. So Nathan, like now, right? Then and But now this is still third and fourth rounders, right? This is not like, eh, doesn't matter. These are good football players. But I think we talked about this when we talked about the Ohio State draft. I think we kind of said this Ohio State draft was kind of like a Michigan draft because Ohio State had 10 guys picked, but they only had three guys picked in the first two rounds and then they had a bunch of third and fourth rounders and Nathan that's what Michigan does
1: yeah I mean I think it's like you know one one entity has like a full like three-piece suit and they're going in and like it just like dazzles from top to bottom and then the other entity has like a really good set of suit pants but then just like a wife beater or something on top. Like they don't, Ohio state has the complete thing. They have the superstars and then they have the NFL draft depth. Michigan only has the bottom half of that.
0: Yeah. So when you say 15 and 14, those 14 are the best that Michigan has to offer. While for Ohio state, those are middle of the road guys. So here's the thing though. And again, I I, I've talked, this
2: is like a big thing that has come up with the Browns that I've talked about. People have talked about the Browns is that middle core of your roster really does matter because if you only have like a couple superstars but you don't have that supporting group where like if you're seventh to 20th best players like are not really good solid football players you're also not going to be very good so the interesting thing about this is and i don't i don't mean just it's like michigan just has to add some five stars on top But there is something to that also. Like if JJ McCarthy is real. If JJ McCarthy is their Justin Fields, right? And if they maybe get like, you know, like one defensive, like and they've had, you know, Chase Winovich is in this range, right? Like they Taco Charlton was a first round pick. They have had some guys who, you know, Rashawn Gary, as we said, not Chase Young level, but Nathan, you know what I mean? Like there are some teams that are hollow, right? That like, Like, for instance, Minnesota has Rashad Bateman and Antoine Winfield, who were – one was a first-round pick, one was a mid-second-round pick. They're both Tier 2 guys. Bateman this year, Winfield last year. Winfield was one of the best rookies in the NFL last year. Antoine Winfield Jr. is an unbelievable player. Rashad Bateman, really productive player. But, like, when you look at Minnesota here, Minnesota the last five years – Ohio State has 15 tier three guys. Michigan has 14 tier three guys. Minnesota has one tier three guy, right? So it's like, wow, I think Antoine Winfield and Rashad Bateman might be better players than anybody that has come out of Michigan. I think, because I I would have an argument that Antoine Winfield Jr. was a better college player than Devin Bush. I I would have that argument, right? Rashad Bateman, uh, Michigan has not had a skill player that has scared defenses like Rashad Bateman the last five years. I would argue that, but Minnesota is not the same kind of program that Michigan is because they don't have anybody in the middle. So, Nathan, if Michigan can somehow, and we talked a lot about they've changed all these coaches, if they can jack up the recruiting, they do have a core. They just don't have the elite guys on top.
1: Yeah, and I've talked about this before on here. Where like growing up, like it doesn't make sense to part of my brain now to be in an era where Michigan can't have that. Because growing up, I felt like you know they were right there with Ohio State, if not sometimes above them, as far as like their standing in college football for a decent stretch of time. And that's so completely reversed now to where they are clearly a tier below. And it, that's what it does seem like to be really the missing ingredient. Whether you're talking about Harbaugh's inability to find and develop a quarterback whether you're talking about what you what you just said as far as like getting multiple like you know uh, serious offensive skill threats now the quarterback is in tandem with that it's it's sometimes hard to have receivers who really scare you without a, a pretty good quarterback to go along with them but we're talking about the same things here like they they're not getting that top end guy and that's I think what is the most puzzling thing to everybody who observes college football is like why is there right now this kind of hole at Michigan So here's
2: the thing that I think I would then argue. I think these numbers, and listen, it's like these numbers aren't a thing in their own. The the numbers are just reflecting the reality, right? Like the the, the reality first, Michigan has a bunch of good players, but they don't have anywhere close to the number of elite players that Ohio State has. That's just a fact. But when you look at Michigan, I'm going to bring this up real quick on the Wikipedia. So in 2018, when Michigan was, they went 10 and 3 overall and they tied for first in the division with Ohio State, right? They were both 8 and 1. That's the only time that Michigan has finished in the top two of the East. They've never finished second in the East under Harbaugh. They've been third, third, fourth, tied for first, third, and fifth. What I think these numbers, again, reflect should be a reality that says Michigan is not as good as Ohio State. They can't run with Ohio State. But they should be the second-best team in the East. They should be – I think it should be like they are the second-best program in the Big Ten. And, like, everybody kind of knows it. It doesn't mean you beat everybody all the time, right? You don't always beat Wisconsin. You don't always beat Penn State. But I think these numbers would tell us that. When I'm saying the last five years, the overall number of draft picks is Ohio State 43 – Michigan 36, Penn State 24. Penn State is a better program than Michigan right now, right? Everybody agrees with that. When we were doing tiers however many months ago, we put Penn State in the second tier. We said Penn State was like the seventh or eighth best program in the country. We didn't say that about Michigan. That's where Michigan's failure is. It's not that like, they can't hang with Ohio State because they don't have the elite dudes, but they are underachieving their talent. And when we talk about talent gap, I actually think we might be talking more about coaching gap or or the talent at the right places. I don't know, Stephen, right? At least like, but the Penn State guys, it's like, we'll say Saquon Barkley and it's Chris Godwin and Deshaun Hamilton. And it's like Mike Gusecki and guys that KJ Hamler, it's guys that can kill you with the ball in their hands. A lot of Michigan guys, as we said, is like interior linemen. But some of this, Stephen, makes me think like, okay, the issue for Michigan is not that they're losing to Ohio State. It's that they're not clearly the second best team in the Big 10 when I think maybe they should be.
0: And that goes back to development once again, whether you're talking about People Jones, Ron, Rashawn Gary. So now that you've got this new regime in here, who are maybe the most important people over the last two recruiting classes for housing? Obviously, J.J. McCarthy, a five-star quarterback. Donovan Edwards, top 50 running back. I'm not throwing Will Johnson in here. He's there because his dad went to Michigan. I'm not throwing him in there. Tyler Morris, who's a top 100 wide receiver for them. How do those guys develop under this new regime where now Jim Harbaugh is just going to be so hands-on with the quarterback, but also you've got a bunch of young guys in there that can develop some of these, the few amount of top 100 guys do you have. So we'll see in maybe two years whether this, is, this new regime is working and whether Michigan can take itself back to being the second-best program, not just in the East, but in the Big Ten. And it starts with those three guys. But I can see an opening here where they got rid of Don Brown And they brought
2: in this, I think it's Mike McDonald, guy from the Ravens, as a young defensive coordinator. And they're letting like the Josh Gaddis way of doing business infiltrate the Jim Harbaugh way of doing business offensively. Mm -hmm. I think you maybe could make your argument. It's like, listen, they got to get quarterback figured out. They have to have a playmaker at quarterback, which applies to everybody. That applies to everybody in the Big Ten who wants to hang with Ohio State. You've got to have a playmaker at quarterback. It's why we've been obsessed with Graham Merckx. But if they get a playmaker at quarterback, it, Nathan, it really might be some more scheme adjustments here, because there is a core of talent that that nobody in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State can match. That you should be able to lean on that middle core of solid talent to beat Indiana and Penn State and Wisconsin in a way that they haven't always done it.
1: And I think you've got to get guys. I know we're not talking about the the Michigan Ohio State comparison here but if you're getting the kind of players that ohio state fans fear i think that will help you take care of that other job in the rest of the big 10 like look at the guys who got drafted out of this class for michigan like Pay, first round defensive end so there's you know i'm sure there's a certain amount of, of fear factor there but like you're not scared of offensive linemen uh, nico collins uh, i guess a solid player ambry thomas a corner who uh, 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 the niners drafted him and I, I remember i think i mentioned on the pod the other night uh, breaking news to a 49ers fan friend of mine um, about some of the, the Trey sermon realities, but then also telling him like, Oh, I think this is actually a pretty good pick, like good value in the third round, but not somebody the Ohio state fans would fear. You got a fullback getting drafted. You got a long snapper getting drafted. Like that's not how you put that. You're not going to create fear at Ohio state with that group of, of draft picks. So if you can start getting guys at those positions we were talking about before that Ohio state fans have to pay attention to whether or not they can actually close the gap all the way and beat Ohio state, That that helps them leap ahead and start taking out some of these other teams that they're not beating right now. Penn State, I guess, being the the crucial one.
2: All right, we'll come back and talk about Tier 4. We saved the best tier for last. Who doesn't want to talk about sixth-rounders for like 25 minutes? We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, and Michigan dominates Tier 4. Michigan owns – we own tier four. Go blue. Tier four draft picks last five years. This is rounds five, six, and seven. Michigan, 15. 15. Ohio State, 10. Penn State, 10. Another team that dominates. I said it out of order. Wisconsin, 11. Ohio State is tied for third in tier four guys. So it goes Michigan, 15. Wisconsin, 11. Penn State and Ohio State ten. Iowa seven, Minnesota six, Maryland six, Nebraska five, Northwestern five. By the way, Nebraska, Nebraska, Tier one, the last five years, zero. Tier two, zero. Tier three, zero. Five tier four guys. Wow. In the last I would have
1: I would have lost money betting on that. I would have thought that once in the last five years they would have had someone drafted in the fourth round or better. Yeah, my God. So I mean, there are
2: just there are just some. I mean, it's just some teams have no shot here. You know, Illinois, Indiana, Nebraska, nobody in the top two tiers the last five years. Rutgers had one guy, Maryland had two guys, Purdue only had Rondale Moore. You know, like it's just it's crazy. But Stephen, what does that tell us? Like fifteen. I mean, it's a little bit this it get back. It gets back to if Michigan wasn't close to Ohio State in the overall number, 43 to 36, I don't think we would have had this discussion. And this 15 is why. It's this puffed up, you own rounds five through seven, which gives, if you only look at it for three seconds, it gives you the facade of like, yeah, yeah, there's there, there, you know, it's, it's a, only one and a half guys a year behind Ohio State in draft picks. And it's like, yeah, but this is a big but.
0: Yeah, didn't they have, like, five or six of them in the 2020 draft and they just kind of owned the sixth round last year? Uh, This is why – yeah, this is why numbers don't lie, but they also don't tell the whole story, and this is a prime example of that – Nathan brought up Nico Collins, who, I mean, he got locked up by Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett like, the last time they played. I don't think anybody would quit. Uh, even with him being a first round, I don't think anybody was fearful that he was going to get past there in Munford or Nicholas petit Fair if Ohio State and Michigan would have played last, this past season. Diamond People Jones, we've been talking about him consistently, a five-star who ends up being a 6th rounder So, once again, it's a lot of guys where, one, it's positions like guard and, you know, linebacker and fullback long snapper who are never going to be tier one guys, but then also the guys who have the potential to be tier one guys like wide receivers and, and, and defensive backs and corps Those guys are going late because they're not getting developed. So yes, you have 36 people, but if we're going to be honest here, you probably have, it's your, your 36 people is actually probably worth like 24.
2: It's funny. It was like, it was so typical to me. It was like this, uh, Ben Mason, the Michigan fullback got picked by the Ravens, I think in the fifth round. And I definitely saw a couple, at least one. I think Peter Schreger on NFL Network was like, oh, this is my favorite pick. And it's like, really? The Michigan fullback going to the Ravens is your favorite pick? For real? You know what my favorite pick was? Trevor Lawrence was my favorite pick. Right? I mean, like, do we have to be so freaking stupid? Oh, old-time football. That fullback's going to play at least four snaps a game. Shut up. Why do people have to be so stupid? I mean, it's insane. I, I hate, I hate when people like it. It doesn't make any sense. You know what my favorite pick was? Justin Fields at eleven was my favorite pick. It was not the fullback from one Har. Uh, the guy, the guy kept saying, "This is a Jack Harbaugh pick, not a Jim, not a just like we get it. You know their dad's name. We understand. He coached in Eastern Kentucky. He's Bo's guy. I get it. It's not 1974. My favorite. Oh, so stupid." But, Nathan, I mean, this, this is the final wrap-up. It's like, again, if without, these, without this sixth-round run by Michigan, we wouldn't even be talking about it. But it's a reminder to anybody, if, this, if you look at the raw numbers and say, hey, well, you know, it's like this is, this is the real deal here, that Michigan just dominates in the late rounds. And, guys – and this is like one of those things. This is not – because I'll talk about – let's talk about the Ohio State guys who are the Tier 4 guys the last five years. Luke Farrell, Sean Wade, Jonathan Cooper, Jordan Fuller, K.J. Hill, Jay Sean Cornell, Isaiah Prince, Mike Weber, Jamarco Jones, and Noah Brown. Okay, That's the context we're talking about here. No offense to any of those guys. Those guys are not the reason that Ohio State is Ohio State. Jordan Fuller was a very good player here. K.J. Hill was a very good player here. Right? We get it. Luke Farrell did his job every day. We get it. That is not what makes Ohio State, Ohio State. And that, Nathan,
1: is where Michigan is making money. I think you can use these lists to kind of reverse engineer what happened to a lot of these teams in the 2020 season. Michigan's the one that's a little bit weird just because they did have the eight guys. But again, one of them's a fullback. One of them's a long snapper. Like it's guys who so that that puffs that number up a little bit, too. Um, I'm looking at some of these other teams. Like Nebraska, you mentioned. They had – remember when Nebraska would seem like, you know, Nebraska is clearly going to have a first or second round offensive lineman this year, right? they are two two draft picks this year were offensive linemen, a fifth rounder and a seventh rounder. Wisconsin, um, Isaiah Loudermilk in the fifth round. Richard Wild Goose in the sixth round. Like I would have, if I would, I would have done like Sonny Weaver trade up the number one to draft that name. But as far as like a player, he's a sixth round pick. Colvin Lannan, sixth round pick. Like Wisconsin's three draft picks this year, fifth and sixth round. Like they, you can use this draft to reverse engineer where all these teams stand. Because I mean, if you if you don't know at all what happened in the 2020 season, and you wake up from a coma and someone just shows you the draft picks, you can pretty closely decide what happened in the 2020 season. Indiana might be the one exception to that.
2: And Michigan, too, There, I mean, the Michigan, a couple of their guys even, like, opted out, like the guys who did get picked, like the right. higher – like, like I mean, Thomas didn't play for them this year, right? Jalen Mayfield didn't play for him this year, did he? Or did right. he opt back in? Maybe he did. He was out and he might have been back in. Anyway, they didn't play Ohio State, so I don't know. So I, I in conclusion, made up my own formula for this. And I didn't want to do decimals because you know, nobody likes decimals. So tell me, I'll give you how I gave the numbers to the tiers. And then I I did the math based on my formula, but you can disagree with the formula, but it's too late to change it. But I can do it better next time. These were the numbers. These were the points I assigned for each tier. So 10 points for a tier one guy, because that's like a, right? I mean, because that's the baseline. I got to set the baseline on tier one. Tier two guys then are eight points. Because I thought, Only go one point lower was not enough. I thought it was enough of a difference. I wanted to go eight points. So it's 10 points if you're in the top 15, eight points if you're the back half of round one or round two. Tier three guys who are third and fourth round, I gave six points. Because depending if you're a second round pick, you might not be that different from a fourth round pick. So I, you know, but that's a little more than half of a tier one guy. And then tier four, I gave three points. Cause that's like a kind of a fall off. And so it's like, you need three tier four guys to equal one tier one guy. Right. So uh you guys might've, you know, done a little bit. Stephen, Nathan, like any huge disagreements with that general scale?
1: No, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I have no problem with it. You so can weight the, it based on position too, I suppose, if you really wanted to get.
2: That's next level stuff. And I that's know. like, if you go, yeah. yeah. So there's a multiplier by. If you're a quarterback, or if you're a corner, or if you're a guard, there's not as much as a 0.8 instead of a one point two, like a like a weighted in your yeah. A is higher because it's an advanced class versus a regular class. So by my scale, here's the points, the draft points for the last five years. And again, the raw numbers were Ohio State forty three, Michigan thirty six. By draft points, it's Ohio State two eighty. Michigan, 189. Penn State, 134. Iowa, 124. And then the huge drop off. But the main thing is like, I think that tells the tale more than 43 to 36 total draft picks does. That it's 280 to 189, where it is 40% higher for Ohio State. So Nathan, that's what I'm trying to reflect here. I think, I think this scale at least reflects the reality.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, that you could almost combine Michigan and Ohio, Penn State or Michigan and Iowa. You could combine Penn State and Iowa, and it still would be less than Ohio State. I mean, like that. again, it, it's, it's about like it – it's reflective of how Ohio State is, in reality, sort of lapping
0: the Big Ten. Which is how it should be. Yeah, you could literally combine one program's roster and another program's roster and Ohio State still might win that game. Yeah,
2: we should do that. I mean, it's one of those things where we've done sometimes like, oh, could Ohio State's second team beat somebody else's first team? Maybe we should do like a Big Ten All-Star team versus Ohio State. And again, sometimes when we talk like this, it really, I mean, it really gets in to homer territory. It is hard. Like, it, this is – it makes us sound like the places that write boom in the tweets. We are not a boom in the tweets kind of
0: place, coverage place. But it is but, what it is. Like, it, it, it's it's not it's not homerism to say that Ohio State's better than everybody else in this conference. Just like it's, it, it wouldn't be homerism if Matt Connolly said Clemson was clearly the best team in the ACC. That's just the fact of the matter. I, I know, I, but we're not saying Ohio State's the best team. I'm asking if they could beat an
2: all-star oh, team of
1: the other yeah. 13 <laughs> we should do. I mean, I would be surprised if we did that, if we said one against no, 13 yeah. and Ohio State would win. I, I would be shocked if we came to that conclusion. But the point is, it's, it's a worthwhile discussion. That alone means yeah. that Ohio State has won the battle.
2: Well, and the problem mm-hmm. is, many years, Ohio State's edge at quarterback is so huge that it might lean you toward Ohio State versus the All-Star team because who's quarterback in the Big Ten All-Star team from last year? Michael Penix, I guess. Right? I don't know. I guess. I, Ramsey?
1: right the, the
0: The answer changes depending on what point in the season we're in. That's the problem. There's I think probably right now th- – Right now there would be a pretty stark
1: contrast, I think, between a, an All-Star Big Ten defense and Ohio State's defense. That certainly would have been true in 2020.
2: No, that's mm-hmm. true. That's true. And, again – You know, and at least then you get to other things. It's like, if we would have done it in 2020, maybe we should go back and do it in 2020 because the quarterback thing is not going to be true in 2021. So Ohio State wouldn't because it's like, all right, well, you're giving the other team Graham Mertz or J.J. McCarthy or Michael Penix, and it's like, they might be better than or as good as the Ohio State quarterback. You know, we don't know. But, and then you get into like, well, you know, if you give the other team, if you give the other team Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore, it's like, all right, well, that's like in range of of Chris Olave and – and Garrett Wilson. I mean, like I, I, it'd be hard to cover Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore. And then you give him Pat Fryermuth at tight end. And that's better than Ohio state's tight end. And you give him Rashawn Slater. Like, I mean, obviously to your point, Nathan, you could do um, when you get into the defense and when Ohio state doesn't have chase young and Jeff Okuda, or when they don't have Denzel Ward and Marshawn Lattimore and Gary on Conley, Malik Hooker, then it does. Then it becomes more of a, of like a ridiculous exercise because there are other good guys in the big 10.
1: But, but even on offense, you start taking, like, Rashad Bateman and Rondale Moore and I don't know who else on the outside, Wap Fillier Wap even. Wap Like, I, that does start to compress a little bit. The, the, the
0: gap closes. But, the but until roster would be a good way to do it. Yeah. Because but until do it with the you know, wouldn't be fun.
2: Until you know, I mean, the difference between Justin Fields and any other quarterback in the Big Ten last year was, like, a 10 versus, like, a – what would Michael Penix have been last year? A six and a half? if Justin Fields is a 10, and that's not a shot at Michael Penix, but like if Michael Penix was in the draft this year, he, I don't think he would have been drafted.
1: But we know what Michael Penix did to Ohio State's defense, and we know what Justin Fields did against a, an Indiana defense that wasn't as good as a Big Ten All-Star defense. So again, I think it, yeah. it would be an interesting exercise.
2: Yeah, it would be. We might be desperate for, for content in June. Uh, yeah. Well, we got ideas. We got ideas. I actually so had, I do, we, we, we might just, be desperate
1: for ideas. So uh, really quickly, can you tease the, uh, pizza guy interview?
2: Oh yeah. Well, so coming Thursday, I talked to a guy who wrote the book, Columbus pizza, a slice of history. His name is Jim Ellison. And he and I talked for 50 minutes about square cut pizza, why Columbus pizza is square cut. We didn't debate it because I didn't want to have a guy, a pizza expert, come on and just have to yell at him the whole time about how square cut pizza is an abomination. But we had a discussion. We had a discussion about what you're supposed to do with the four slices in the middle of the pie. But sort of like why Columbus pizza developed that way. And like I learned, I read his book. I learned stuff about that that really I didn't really understand. I just thought pizza in Columbus was cut in a square. I didn't really understand that it was like Columbus style pizza that almost to the extent that like Chicago style pizza is Chicago pizza. Like, again, if you like a triangle pizza and a New York style pizza, and then you're like, why is this pizza so thick? I don't want to eat it. It's like, well, it's Chicago style pizza, right? Like there's a shorthand that's like, I get it. If you don't like it, you don't have to like it. But we all know why it exists. It's just a different thing. I had never thought of Columbus pizza that way that I just wanted to complain about it because I thought it was inferior. And it's like, well, it's just a separate thing. It's like, it's a different style. So if you don't like that style, that's fine. But it is a style. So anyway, I thought it was interesting. We need a break. We talk so much. If you don't like pizza at all, maybe you won't like it. But it's also like a history podcast a little bit. So like, even if you don't like pizza, you but you care at all about Columbus or Ohio history, you might like that. Plus he's pretty entertaining. So that's going to be the Thursday podcast. But I want to ask since why don't we, we may as well use the podcast to plan the podcast coming next week, a full podcast of us just planning future podcasts. <laughs> what should we do on May 13th? And then we'll have like a five minute discussion about that. Should we do the schedule breakdown again? Like we did last year. Should, if, Cause if we did that starting now and we did 12 games, like I don't, we're like in range of like, right? If we did 12 games, but we threw in Alabama and Clemson because we think they'll be in Ohio State's path. We could do Georgia and Oklahoma too. Mm-hmm. We could start that either with a beat writer or we could reach out to teams and see if we can get a Lance Leipold again. Like, are, do you guys think we should do that? Definitely. Yeah, 100%. All right. So then that's one. That's one a week. Now we got to come up with the other four. <laughs> so congratulations to us. Um, all right. So listen, here's the other thing too. We, we had a, a brief discussion off air yesterday of like, this is normally a two-hour podcast, but it doesn't have to be a two-hour podcast if it doesn't need it. What we want the Wednesday pod to be is the nice theme where we dig into something. And I think we did that today, but there's not two hours worth of stuff to say Michigan's not as good as Ohio State. There's not, there's not two hours, so we're not going to go two hours. So if there is a topic that requires two hours, we'll do two hours. But if there's a topic that doesn't require it, we're not going to force ourselves. We're not going to force you to listen to two hours this summer. Because, you know, go outside. Listen to birds. I'll tell you what. Sometimes birds, right, sound fake. Like they can be so tweety. And you think to yourself, is that a record player of bird sounds? And it's just nature. Really, nature. Quite amazing if you get out there and listen to it. You guys go out and listen to nature ever?
0: Are you a conspiracist that pigeons are not real birds?
2: What what would they be? I'm here for it. What are they then? Robots. Oh, that they're robots? Have that, you ever
0: seen a baby pigeon?
2: Well, I I mean, I, I can, I, I think this is true. I saw a comedian in the back of a hamburger restaurant in New York City one time. And I think it was Jim Gaffigan. I think, like at the very beginning of his career. But like someone said, have you ever seen a baby pigeon? It was like, blew my mind. It was like, that was like, his main joke was like, have you ever seen a baby pigeon in it? Like I messed with my head for like three weeks. So I am, if it's just, you think pigeons are just Boston dynamics, just, just testing stuff out, just messing around. Just throw a thousand robots in Central Park and see what happens. And all we did is just one thing that just head goes up and down to hit, like get the food, right? Like there's not very mm-hmm. complex. Now, the other thing it might be is God just messing around. God's just like, ah, this is not my best work. <laughs> Throw the pigments out there. Here they you can know. only do one thing. I'm sorry. I'll get better. Um, all right. So that's the plan. Pizza, recruits, and then Nathan, tell the people what might change next week with the podcast schedule.
1: Uh, we were talking about – I don't know if we had decided this, but we were talking about going back to Monday through Friday – mostly because we could bring back market down monday cuz right now we don't have a monday podcast
2: which people do like i think people do like market down monday and it's a nice structure that makes us have an opinion on something and we can always have opinions we just got to figure it out but the, like i think that i think it's worth it now we could also do market down monday on the tuesday podcast but it would be wrong. We'd, we'd immediately be starting with a lie. So I'm in favor of going to it. I think, I think that's what we'll do starting next week. So we'll continue on this schedule, but then next week we'll start going Monday through Friday. So, so there, that's so a there lot. May of planning. Not,
1: there may not be a Saturday podcast this week because we would probably record market on Mondays on Fridays yeah. usually.
2: And we might just give ourselves a little bit of a break. We gave you the bonus to sign a couple of podcasts a couple weeks ago and had six yeah. in a week. So We might do four in a week this week. And we we had them all weekend
1: for the draft. So yeah.
2: Okay. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, in conclusion, Michigan, not as many good players as Ohio State. Glad it took us an hour and 10 minutes to figure that out. Uh, make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the text if you'd like to at 614-350-3315. Drop the reviews at Apple Podcasts. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. McCullough Podcast a couple weeks ago and had six yeah. in a week. So we might do four in a week this week. And we, we had them all weekend
1: for the draft, so. Yeah.
2: Okay. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, in conclusion, Michigan, not as many good players as Ohio State. Glad it took us an hour and 10 minutes to figure that out. Uh, make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the text if you'd like to at 614-350-3315. Drop the reviews at Apple Podcasts. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. McCullough podcast a couple weeks ago and had six yeah. in a week. So we might do four
1: in a week this week. And we, we had them all weekend for the draft. so Yeah.
2: Okay. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, in conclusion, Michigan, not as many good players as Ohio State. Glad it took us an hour and 10 minutes to figure that out. Uh, make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the text if you'd like to at 614-350-3315. Drop the reviews at Apple Podcasts. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talks.